Welcome to the Wisdom Rising podcast. I'm your host, Lama Sultrama Alione, and my goal with this podcast is really to open your own wisdom, to have your own wisdom rising, either through the meditations that I lead or introduce you to, or to the people that I interview that bring wisdom with them in their own voice, in their own traditions. So we look forward to raising our wisdom together on the Wisdom Rising podcast. And I'm so happy to share this with you. I'd like to welcome Venerable Sogan Rinpoche, who's going to be our guest today. It's the first time I've had a guest who isn't in the place that I am doing this. So we're very excited to be able to do this. We're so fortunate to have Rinpoche with us today. Thank you. Hello, everyone, wherever you are. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, Rinpoche. So uh, I have a few questions that I prepared to ask you. And I also wanted to show people this book because I love this book. Oh. It's Rinpoche's biography, and it's so beautifully written. It's called Dreams, Truths, Dreams and Truths from the Ocean of Mind, Memoirs of Pema Lodu, the Sixth Sogan Rinpoche. So it's published by Tibet House, actually, but it, it's... It's beautifully written, and there's a lot of his poems in it that are beautiful Dharma transmissions in themselves. So it's very a really special book. For me, reading it, I felt so inspired to meet Rinpoche. We did meet 15 years ago, but I had never received any teachings from him or really hadn't known him well. And I read this, and I thought, wow, this is really a treasure that we have in America, this person, and I need to connect with him and invite him to teach at Taramandala, which he has a few times now, and now he will again. So my first question, Rinpoche, is you're going to be teaching on the Shaldam of Sarakandro, and so I wanted to ask you, what is a Shaldam? How would you explain that? I see. Sheldam means... Like a child who has guiding from the parents or the teacher at the school, guiding them that teach them the good things, what they to do, and how avoid other things that's not good for their life. So similarly, according to the the spiritual, the Lama or you know whatever the master tells the students who has faith, devotion, and trust him or her, then sometimes there's many different ways of them that sometimes they get particular the person who requests, and then they give the, and Sheldon the advice for he or she. Mm. Depends on the situation they ask. And then sometimes they're writing down the advice or Sheldon for everyone mm-hmm. and, and then it's generations, generations, generations. So then when we came to this world, 
no matter rich and poor, lama or ordinary, male or female, will be here temporarily, and then somehow we'll be going to go. So, and such a master who has the ability and their visions, they write down their wishes, their advice, mostly to the future generations, especially the follower. So on the sheldoms, as I say, there's many ways sometimes he or she advise about how to practice and, and any, many things advise that many different ways. That's the sheldom, I think. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rinpoche. I think that Sarah Kondro's sheldom are, are special, very deep and meaningful. So that's amazing. So the next question I have is, can you explain your past life connection to Sarah Kondro? I don't remember anything. I'm getting old. I can't even remember last week. So, you know, mostly the Sarah Kondro's autobiographer, very big book that haven't translated into English yet, but Christina Monson, she's working on. And then also Sarah Jacob, she wrote a book, published about Sarah Kondro. So mm-hmm. on those books, has a lot of details about Sarah Kondro's life story. So Sarah Kondro is uh, like, she was born very normal, high, you know, family and sent to Tibet. And then somehow she traveled, follow her, let's say, root teacher to the east in the Golo area. And then she, most of her life, spent in, in the east in Golo area. So during that time, as she is the human form, she has, when we look, reading the, her stories, there are so many sad stories, difficult stories, so many things. So that's the detail in the book. But then when she, while she was in Golo area, she met many masters and she received many teachings, especially her root teacher. And also Dunjum Lingba. So, and this, the fourth Sogan Rinpoche, Natsu Rondro, who is also the student of Dukutrime, and then he is also a treasury holder of Dukutrime. So, Serkandro and Sogan Rinpoche kind of like more special Dharma brothers, sisters during that time. And then time goes away. And one by one, Dunjum Lingba was went to pass away. And then later, Dukutrume also passed away. So after that, Sankandro has nobody taking care of her. She just wandering around. So that Sogan Duku was the, one of the oldest students of I think Dukutrime also mentioned him that when he passed away and have to taking care of Serkano. So we don't know there's a, there's some cause conditions. But anyway, 
Minche bowed her to his monastery, which is a Sarah monastery, is to Tibet. So, and then Minche helped her to spread her teachings. And fourth Sogan Minche was a pretty well-knowing teacher around that area. So he introduced many of his students to Sarakando. And then the, slowly there are many regions and monasteries, uh, communities invite her and she began to teach. So before then, she was just like an ordinary lady who has family, but she has a, a many treasuries and that haven't published it. Then Sogan from Chess helping her to collect her treasuries and let her publish it. So sometimes her autobiographer mentioned that it's like she said, a friend who is a dear to me as my own heart and eyes. Mm-hmm. So such very close friends. So, and then she was pretty old. So Sharon Kondo, uh, and at some point she wanted to, I guess, want to go her homeland once more to Lhasa. So in that town, in Tibet, Tibet is a pretty big country. So there was no airplanes, no cars. So everyone had to go by foot or by horse. So it took a long time. So she has a plan to go home, and also she received a very special invitation from Ruoche, which is the Kham area, there's a big monastery. So he sent some students to Serta region that he wanted to meet her. So, and she accepted the invitation so then she has, you know, want to go to the West, but she feel uncomfortable while Sokhanamsha is still alive. She doesn't want to leave behind him. So she kind of waiting for him. So later, when Sokhanamsha passed away, and then she did all the rituals like in Tibet, when people passed away, they do 49-day special rituals and prayers. So many people, everyone. But she did everything like that. So Sonas done this work. Then she left from East and then toward the West. And then she finally reached the Roche area. And at that time, I think she was late 40s. And then she spent there a year or so. She was a retreat there, and she gave some teachings there. Finally, she went to Ravoche Monastery, met Jamgun, and so she gave teachings. So during that time, she was pretty ill. So and then the, her health conditions declined, so she couldn't survive. So then she passed away in Ravoche. So. When her story, there's many 
things to mention about the strong machine. So that way we can see that there are connections. Other than mm -hmm. I don't know, I can't remember anything. That's uh, that's a very deep karmic link that you have with her. Yeah. So, and then. When I was in Tibet, you know, when I heard the Sarakandro, I have sometimes very close feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know her treasure, the teachings, and who has the lineages. Mm -hmm. So later, when I came to India, and then one time I visited India, Nepal, I think around 1998. And I met Chadru Sanji Dorje and received some teachings because Chadru Sanji Dorje and my root teacher, Campbell Mercer, has the same teacher. Mm -hmm. So I really want to see him. So I traveled to the park in Nepal and saw him there. I received some teachings. Mm -hmm. And then he gave me a transformation of Sarantandro's Guru Yoga Sadhana and some other teachings. And that time she told, he told me that if you are real Sogan Rinpoche, you have to take care of Sankandra's lineage. He very strongly he told me. So then I felt that, oh, maybe I should more study and practice this lineage. So mm -hmm. then time closed. I went to, back to India and came to USA Many years, I didn't have a chance to study these treasuries. And then later, one day I felt that I must do this one. So then I try travel to Nepal, try to see Jatuchi again. But at that time, nobody can see her, see him. So, but I got advice from him that I could receive teaching from his hot son disciple, Tambuchi Rinpoche. Mm -hmm. So that's why I received all Sankandro's teachings from Tambuchi So mm -hmm. it's, that I'll start in 2014. Mm -hmm. Tambuchi Rinpoche was very old. Her, his vision is very, very weak. So he has very difficult reading, transmissions, everything. But I took it a couple of years and then finished everything. Mm -hmm. So since then, I'm practicing her Guru Yoga, and so now I can feel that it's a very, very profound, this is a special teaching, and yeah, it really helps me for my daily practice. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such an interesting story to hear about these karmic connections and how it you had to find it and then took a long time to actually get it and yeah it's it's not a definite thing that these transmissions will happen and that we will receive them and be able to practice so i'm so glad that you were and and christina was with you right at that time yes christina and there was a few disciples tamboche Rinpoche was very traditional you know, he doesn't want avatars, his teachings, he doesn't want his mm -hmm. many students. So during their time, Christina and the Shin Campbell, Ishi Jelton, 
Madrilin Kimbo Techo Jansen, Lama Shaw, Tim was very few mm-hmm. students. Yes. Christina was there, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have another question that is back in Tibet. When when you met your root Lama, Kimbo Munsel, will you call Lama Rinpoche and began to study and practice with him? I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what what that was like. Like, where did you live and where did you practice and what kind of schedule did you have? And just, I'd love to get a picture kind of of what that was like studying with him because I know he was really extraordinary Lama. Yes. When I mention my teacher's name, talk about him, I'm pretty emotional, so, but yes, I had very fortunate to meet such an amazing living being, you know, in Tibet, and studying, and had chance to practice myself. So, to now, when I look back, I was very, very fortunate, you know. I, I didn't have chance to go to ordinary, regular school to learn all these technologies, all this modern education. But due to my wonderful parents support me and my uncle, so I can able, I had able to go to see my teacher. So at that time, I was around 18 or 19 years old and by a monastery. And Lama Ramachi was just released from the prison camp. And, but he is not teaching much at that time. Just, you know, Chinese allowed to practice and rebuild the monastery. So at that time, some of the senior monks from Bayan Monastery went to Lama Ramachi and they came back. When I heard his name, they tell, then I asked them how he looked like, where is he, you know, what he gave you teaching, all a lot of questions, and they told me, you know, everything. So then I was so moved, I just feel like I must go to see him. So then I was at Bayan Monastery with my uncle. And he is a very strict, very traditional uh, lama that he doesn't want me go anywhere. And also, I have charge of monastery. I have some duties there. But uh, finally, I got permission from them, and I contacted my parents. So then, one of the monks who went to see him, his name Danchu, older monk, he had plenty to go to Morumbuche at the end of the summer. So I asked him that it's possible I can go with you. And he said he'll happy to take me there. And then my uncle and my parents also feel very comfortable if I go with uh, the Danchu, who is a wonderful monk. So I travel with Danchu by horse from by monastery to Ramjian's place. It was almost four days by horse. So we met Lama Rinpoche, and I mentioned my book, there's more detail, how I met him. 
So I can't wait. So when we're getting close, I keep asking Danju how far we need to go. I really want to see him. So he said, just be patient. We are on the way. You will see him soon. <laughs> so then the day we arrived, Lamaramche's hermitage, there was a, there is a river, you know, we have to cross the river. And Lamaramche's place is just right after the river called Jitniche. So when we arrived uh, by the Nietzsche, we can see that there was some few tents. So, and then Danchu pointing me, pointing that area, he said that Lamaramche hermit is over there. So I feel something very, very special, kind of like, you know, shaking. I just numbed, you know, it's a very, very unthinkable feeling. Yeah. So then finally yeah, we went close to the tent. He was outside. So then we went to see him and offer some katas, the prostitution. And he just, just holding my head and he said that, don't worry, I'm taking care of you. And no problem, make sure you can stay here longer. Mm-hmm. So then immediately I told him that, as long as I take, I'm going to stay with you. My body, speech, mind, everything offered to you. I'm in yours. Please teach me, guiding me to benefit all sense and beings. I want to hold your lineage. So I recourse many with my tears. So then we stay there a month, and then Lama Tanchu back to home. We're supposed to go back home together, but then I say, I'm not going home. Don't you begin? He said, we have to go. I promised to your uncle and parents. What can I tell them, you know, without you when I go? I said, it's okay. So then I stay there continually. Later, my parents visit me. They bring all the necessary things for me, like a tent and food. So... And then I was continuing to stay with the Lama Ramachi and he kept teaching and yeah, meditation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And was so very fortunate, very, very wonderful time. What was it like once you started practicing with him? Like, did you live in a tent? Did you practice in the tent? Did you go up in the mountains or was there a monastery or what? Can you kind of paint the picture for us of? like maybe what a normal day would be like for you when you were practicing under him? Yes. I have a lot of ten, and the Lama Ramuche has ten by the Yaki we call Ba. He's living there. And then I have a pretty good ten. It's very thick material. During the winter, very good. So, And then Lama Ramuche, we trade our ten because I offer him mine better than him. So I don't want to be better than his living conditions. So I offer him, and I was living his tent, and he was staying my tent. So it's uh, during the winter, really, really cold. Mm. And I was young. I miss my parents and my friends. It was a pretty, you know, difficult time. But I had, you know... Receiving teachings, Lama Rinpoche is really, really taking care of me. But, you know, the living conditions in, in Tibet are not so easy. Mm-hmm. When you practice, when you go retreats, 
Not like when we go retreat here, we have, you know, retreat cabin, bathroom, shower. <laughs> yeah, it's very cold. We have heat, hot. We have air conditions, many, mm. you know, things. But uh, we don't have like that. Yeah, yeah, I understand. There's something about the simplicity of those conditions that's really conducive to practice. Also, in in our retreat cabins in Taramandala, we we don't have running water and we don't have electricity, and it's very simple. And in those conditions, I think it's more conducive to to practice, really. Even though it's it's maybe not as comfortable, you're also very close to nature, and yeah, it's uh, there's yeah. something. In that in that situation, yeah, especially later, I had solitary retreats and South Pasa, Zaring, mm-hmm. all those sacred places. I had very very little food, and mm-hmm. so oh, yeah. I, I ate only one once a day. Mm-hmm. When I do a retreat, I give it, just talk uh, once a month, more with silence. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, when I reached India, I was so thin and <laughs> lost our way yeah. that I survived. Yeah, well, that's that's what the Buddha did. Buddha ate once a day, and again, you know, not eating so much. Also, I think it, it's a clarity of mind when you're not digesting, you know, big heavy meals. Yeah, I, I remember very clear one time. I was in Shillong retreat, which is the the five the preliminary practice there. Mm. It's a very sacred place near Zari. So I was there during the summer, and then my food ran out. So one oh. day I went out to begging some food in the village. I have mm. empty bags and I carry it. I have very long sticker. So I remember very clear one morning, I went to town. So that a lady who was milking the cows, I asked her, you know, can I have some food? And she said, she was very, very nice. She said, okay, wait there. And she went inside. Took a little while. I was waiting outside. I leaned here. I was very, something mixed the feeling rising my mind. I thought, mm-hmm. oh my God. For example, now my health, I'm very, very weak, very thin. I never shower. I'm very dirty and holding some empty bags. Someone's outside waiting for food. If this is, I'm not imagining that if my parents and monks can see now, see me now, how they're thinking, what I'm doing here, you know, when I was in Tibet, you know, I have. A lot of monks and tendons, uh, everyone taking care of. I get best food, best clothing, everything. But then I was thinking, oh my God, if they, they see me now, what are they thinking? <laughs> At the same time, I remember that when Buddha Shachamani, he left from the kingdom behind his beautiful wife and son, everything, and he went to the you know, mountains did the Germany retreat. Mm-hmm. And then also in Tibet, like Pra of course, and the Longshan Ramjan, even Jetsongkapa, mm-hmm. and he was a very scholar and 
you know, very famous. But then somehow he has vision of from Manjushri told him that you need more practice, you need more retreat to accomplish your practices. So that's why he came to Chulong retreat, which is our retreat. So I remember those masters' stories. So compare them, I am nothing, but I'm just trying to be follow their their footsteps. I was really mm-hmm. joying, rejoicing with my mm-hmm. uh, I remember mm-hmm. just did did the old lady bring you some food? Oh yes, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> she she brought you know one plate as a zamba. You put a little mm-hmm. butter on the top. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a beautiful, you know. It's, it's a very mm-hmm. warm smiling, respected. She gave it to me. Yeah. No, I was... back to home. I did so. But I didn't get her name. Otherwise, uh, I can write down her name. It's really special for me. But yeah. I wrote that story in my book. That, that just to mention some of the places that Rinpoche just mentioned, one was Zangri Kamar, and that's the seat of Machi Lapran in Tibet, yes. where she lived for most of her life, her right. adult life. And then he also mentioned Serengjong, which was Jigme Lingpa's place. And I've actually been to to both those places. And I remember in Serengjong, they there were a lot of crystals, oh, yes. that really beautiful, big crystals. I, I think I still have some of those that were just found around there. Very special place. Very special place. Yeah. So I think maybe yeah. you can do some prayers, then we'll, we'll come back on and close. Let's do some prayers. The prayers, it really helps. So we can send in the energy to all the sons and beings, be free from samsara, especially those who have difficult suffering due to the war and sickness. Yes. So many, you know, each, each or every one of us has the problems, particularly those have you know, difficult, really, really heavy problems over there, everywhere, mm-hmm. especially Ukraine and, you know, Syria, many ways. So we can pray for them. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rebuche. So thanks, everyone. And let's take a moment and, and dedicate the merit and of this whole time together we can do a silent dedication and may may it benefit all beings this time that we had together and especially let's send auspicious wishes for Rinpoche's longevity long life lots of love everyone Thank you, everyone, for being with us for this Wisdom Rising podcast. May it benefit all beings. And I'd like to take a moment to thank the production team of Wisdom Rising and also to let you know that if you would like further information on my work or the associated people who work with Tara Mandala, you can reach out to the Tara Mandala website, T-A-R-A-M-A-N, D-A-L-A dot O-R-G. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe.